Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. Today. Again. Wait, we did what? it again. What? We did it right. Oh. <laughs> I was just going with it. You're the one that messed it up this time. Oh, but I we always did, messed we, it up. We did it right. <laughs> Yay. Yay. It's interesting that now we're celebrating that because like two times we did it wrong. And no, one time, only one time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Celebrate the wins, I say. Well, I almost did it wrong last week. <laughs> well, and this is also the second time we're trying to record this episode. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. <sighs> so this week, I'm telling Montana about the murder of Dr. Jack Wilson. But first, Montana, what am I drinking? And then what are you drinking? You're drinking things again. You're drinking uh, the Twin Sisters cocktail. It is... And it's one drink, or it's a um, it's a shot. But we'll tell you how to make it into a drink, according to Samantha. Uh, you're gonna get a, a half an ounce of light rum, a half an ounce of spice light rum, or no, just spice rum or light rum. So you can double down on that uh, light rum if you really want to. Yeah, you can, but it's not the same. I okay. will say. Ideally, have one of each. You're going to have a dash of Coca-Cola or Coke, whatever that means. Uh, A dash, in my opinion, is a lot more than other people would say it is. And a dash of lime juice. Just mix it all up. So what I did, that is for literally a shot. Because obviously that's one ounce. And then you're just putting a little bit of Coke on top, a little bit of lime juice. Um, which is good. I did try that. Uh, I did, I just switched it to a full ounce of each and then filled up the rest of the glass with Coke and did a little bit of extra lime juice and it is delicious. I bet it would be good, like mixed with Dr. Pepper. Probably, but it's like, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's almost like dark chocolate. So like it's, it's kind of spicy and it's a little bit bitter but it's really not too strong, even when you make it according to the recipe, which is probably dangerous. Um, but something about the light rum and the spice rum mixed together with the Coke, it it doesn't taste like a Coke and rum, which is what I expected. But it it tastes really good. Paul liked it. He he made I made one for each of us last night because we tried to record last night and it did not go so well. So he made us um, a couple more today. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Sorry about Internet that. Internet was not working so well, oddly enough, with, you know, I don't know, this thing like voting or something was happening yesterday. And yeah, I think it was uh, election. Uh, oh, well, yeah. I know it was election day, but I think it was due to the high uh, traffic on the yeah. Internet in my new insane. neighborhood uh, on election day. What I am drinking is an IPA. I am not going to tell you guys the name of it because she likes to keep secrets. Uh we're actually probably going to use the other <laughs> beers that I got for a different episode, but I didn't have any beer. So I was just like, you know what? Uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to drink the like uh, cheap beer I keep on hand in case I have somebody come and help me who likes that cheap beer. <laughs> so- good, good recovery. <laughs> 
I got the IPA. So cheers. Cheers. So I'm ready to hear it. Also, uh, before we get started, I just want to go ahead and apologize. You're going to hear some stuff in the background at my house. Uh, It might be some drilling. It might be some banging around. My husband is simply hanging a spice rack that he has been trying to hang for (laughs) a half an hour. And I do not understand why it is taking so long. So sorry about it. (laughs) I'll have enough time. That's for sure. That's true. By the time we hopefully, hopefully. You'll let oh, me know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'll send you a picture when I'm done. <laughs> All right, let's hear about it. With no further ado, let's get into the case. Uh, so this is a case that I wanted to do. Again, it is another case from Wicked North Alabama, and I've gotten several cases from it. But uh, I, when I read about this case, I was like, I'm definitely going to end up doing this, but I got to space it out because I've done several from this book. Um, she, she just wrote perfect cases. Like I'm probably going to cover everyone that's in that book at some point or another. So knew I had to cover it, figured this was a good time to, to go through it because it's been a little while since I've done one. So, um, and it, it, it is a solved case, which is nice after an unsolved, um, like it was last week. So I figured we would give you another solved case. Well, and... <laughs> it was unsolved, quote unquote, due to failure to follow through with <laughs> the prosecution. <clears throat> In any case, <laughs> this is a solved case. It does have a few twists. Uh, so I figured it would be a good episode to go to next and getting out of spooky season two. So get ready. Might be a little bit of a wild ride. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Let's go. Dr. Jack Wilson was born May 5th, 1937 in Chicago, Illinois. Dr. Wilson served in the military during the Vietnam war, but after was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, he was discharged and entered the field of medicine as an ophthalmologist. Jack and his first wife, Julia, moved to Huntsville with their three children in July of 1968. His business did really well, but unfortunately his marriage did not, and he and Julia divorced in the mid-1970s. Dr. Wilson was well known for his somewhat odd sense of humor. (laughs) So they were only married for two years. Uh, Roughly. Well, mid-1970s. So, But no, they were married before they moved up here. So okay. They right. moved to Huntsville. Right. Yeah, they moved to Huntsville in July of 1968, and then they divorced in the mid-1970s. So it was like 75, 76, I think. Gotcha. Or no, it was 78, I think, officially when they were divorced. They were separated in 76, but I'll get into that. Um, but they were married before they came here because they already had three kids. Okay. Well, I was, yeah, because I was like... How are you together for two? I mean, I guess the math could work. That would be, I mean, you'd really be pushing. I don't know. I I wouldn't want to have three kids in two years. That sounds miserable. (laughs) No, thank you. Also, I understand the divorce now. (laughs) Tell me about it. Don't do that. That that might actually cause, cause a divorce if nothing else. But anyway, so Dr. Wilson was well known for his odd sense of humor. Um, He would set up practical jokes and pranks often. One time he put out an ad in the paper that his office was going to be closed for the annual eye exam of Elvis Presley. Was he me? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, honestly, there was not enough. I could not, I could go on and on about how many people were loved him and how loved he was in the community and how great a guy he was. He was remembered for being very kind. If a patient indicated they couldn't pay their bill, he might offer to accept oatmeal cookies instead or to set up a payment plan that the patient would then never make any payments on. Can I just uh, tell you that I also um, accept payment and cookies and this is why <laughs> my uh, my manager, whenever he wants me to do something that I don't want to do, I tell him, I, I make a big deal about it. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do it. I don't blah, blah, blah. And then I will say, I will only do it if you bring me crumble cookie. There you go. And he always does. Oh, there you go. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> That's more of a bribe than a payment, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a payment for my time. Come on. Yeah, true. So he was known as very generous in that way, but when it came to his own life, he was extremely frugal. He was a wonderful doctor who cared for his patients. Honestly, he sounds like the kind of doctor I would want to see, but you don't really hear about those kind of doctors anymore. Again, this was in like the 19, late 1960s, 1970s. So you could probably get away with it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. In 1976, while Jack and Julia were separated, Jack met Betty, a nurse that worked in the same hospital as Dr. Wilson. Over the next two years during the separation and eventual finalized divorce, the two became friends. Shortly after the divorce was finalized, they began dating, but it seemed a bit tumultuous. At one point, Betty offered to get was offered a new job in Atlanta, Georgia, which Jack urged Betty to accept while they maintained a long-distance relationship. Betty decided to accept the job and moved, and they maintained the relationship until Jack's or yeah, until Jack's Crohn's disease became worse and he was unable to travel long distances anymore. So he then asked Betty to move back to Huntsville and marry him, which she said yes, and shortly after they were married. Why was it tumultuous? Did she not want to go? It was on again, off again. No, the relationship. It was like on again, off again, on again, off again. It, so it was like they couldn't deal with the long distance. No, that was before they moved. That was before she moved away. It was like that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. I'll get into it. There's a reason. Okay. Betty Wilson was born Betty Woods on July 14th, 1945, and was raised in Gadsden, Alabama, along with her fraternal twin sister, Peggy. They were two of four children born to Oscar and Nell Woods. Nell worked in a factory while Oscar was a local policeman. He was also an alcoholic and known to abuse the twins. According to a paper I found, he would wake them by shining a flashlight in their eyes and also made them eat Bengay ointment. Isn't that poisonous? Yes. Okay. The twins would lock themselves in the bathroom to avoid him and would just talk together for hours on end so that he would stay away. Both Betty and her sister got married right after graduating high school and shortly after got divorced. Betty okay. was a student council officer and performed plays and talent shows while Peggy was the homecoming queen class beauty. They were described as night and day, where... Peggy was the sun, Betty was the moon. Betty was known more to be shy, awkward, and rebellious of the two. She would skip school, staying out late with boys who drank, and constantly defying any authority figures in her life. Both 
were considered popular in school, though. Betty had three boys from her first marriage, and when her youngest was only 10 months old, she packed her bags and left all of them, moved to Huntsville to pursue a career in nursing. Around the same time, Peggy left her husband for a married man who had to divorce his wife in order to marry Peggy, and then he became a stepfather to Peggy's two children that she brought with her. So Betty left her kids behind. Peggy took her two with her. Can we just talk about the fact that they're named Peggy and Betty? Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah. Okay. It was it was the 60s, man. I've never understood. <laughs> I've never understood naming twins like rhyming names. Or actually, they were born in the 40s. So, yeah. Peggy and Betty. Like, that is just so. Well, Peggy probably wasn't her legal name. I didn't go into it. It was probably Margaret. Typically, Margaret's were known as Peg or Peggy. I don't don't ask me why. It doesn't make any sense. Can we, I just need, can we Google it? I just, (laughs) I need to understand. Why is Margaret considered Peggy? We will Google it at a time outside of us recording this. This is bothering me. I don't know. It's always been one of those names. I mean, I have a twin sister. Our names don't rhyme. I mean, they both start with M, but like. Yeah. They don't write like they're not even close. They're not even it close. This was a cutesy thing. I don't know. We it was the forties, man. It was a time. And not just like not just like our like our names or whatever, but we went to school with Kit like two other sets of twins. And I don't remember the other people's the other twins' names, but I know that they rhymed. But her and I dated this set of twins. It was boys. Uh <laughs> And their names were Dustin and Justin. Ah, oh, that's just mean. And it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> just don't. give them their own identity. Just a <laughs> you just bit. you literally change one letter in their name. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> they were lazy. They're like, you know, I really like Dustin. You know what would sound great with Dustin? Justin. Justin. <laughs> Just lazy parenting. Uh, it really is. It really, well, we weren't expecting a second one, but you know what we can do? We can change one letter, make it real easy on us. <laughs> hey, it works. I've never had twins, so I don't know how stressful it is trying to name them. So I won't. I won't say anything. But it does kind of seem like lazy parenting. <laughs> yeah, it 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 kind of does. I mean, if you if you have twins and you've done something like that you know what good on you i think no tell us please tell us why why did you say the rhyming names i I would love to have a first-hand account it's already confusing because you have two kids that look similar why the fuck are you gonna name them so closely together (laughs) look everybody lectured me about okay i'm gonna i am gonna compare kids to dogs because my dogs are my kids sorry but i have three dogs Bear, Izzy, and Lizzie. And everybody swore up and down Izzy and Lizzie would not be able to tell the difference when I call their names. They would not be able to tell because they're quote unquote just dogs. Please, please. They know their names. They know exactly who I'm calling when I call them. And they do look a lot alike, but they do have differences, even though some people say they can't tell them apart. So it's kind of like twins. And I did do it together like that. But that just really rolled off the tongue when I went to name my dogs. I don't know why. It just... All my animals kind of just, the names just came to me and I went with it. So well, That's true. Also, Izzy and Lizzie, as they got older, did not look 
a lot of they no. don't look a lot of like anymore no. <laughs> any means but Not i just really. you know that's my tangent about twins and i have a I lot guess. of hot takes when it comes to twins so oh, makes sense don't <laughs> don't name your twins in a similar fashion betty and peggy it's a little, little they're a little different not quite rhyming but they're pretty close in any case getting back to the case jack and betty's re- marriage was far from ideal Due to Jack's disease, he was not able to perform in the bedroom, and Betty insisted they sleep in separate bedrooms after that. He had to have a surgery where he had to have a device um, because of his Crohn's, and the device was very difficult to maneuver around when they were getting intimate, and there was an instance that happened that was very not ideal. Um, And then after that, she decided they were going to sleep in separate bedrooms did he explode like it no like something happened like there's a device that he so i don't know how much you know about crohn's disease but it's basically an attack of the intestinal tract uh Mm -hmm. mostly the the uh what is it the colon um and some people have to have part or all of it removed and he had to have a device his was bad enough that he had to have a device basically to assist with that so there was matter in it then it came loose and made a mess and she was like nope i'm done and i get i get that you know that's a really terrible thing to have to deal with it it would be really gross but also you married this man knowing he had this disease because he had had it for a while by the time she met him and this is the person that you're supposed to love and that's why you supposedly got married and i feel like you can work around it if you really care about the person it's not his fault but that was just how she handled it yeah we can go into like the details of the simple fact that you know relationships aren't just about sex or um, intimacy is measured in different ways than just like sex and so one of those things could be like sleeping in the same bed being in the same general facility like vicinity of each other so but that's just that's this simply not, my opinion as being this, somebody who has been with somebody I mean, for 10 years fair it doesn't it doesn't always come down to you know sex or uh, uh physical intimacy uh, yeah, but at the end of the day i go to bed with him every night and you know i mean even when i was having night sweats it would still be difficult for me to leave the bedroom because like I would just literally be pouring sweat. I couldn't sleep. So I'd go into the living room to sleep because it was cooler in there. Cause the dogs go in our bedroom. They generate a lot of heat. We found out like I walk out of our bedroom in the middle of the night and it's a good five, 10 degrees cooler <laughs> comparatively. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we found a solution, a, a, a cooling mat that I can put on the, the mattress and it's been a lifesaver. But up until that point, that was really hard, like not li- not sleeping in the same bed at night because we had gotten so accustomed to it. And we've not even been together as long as obviously you and your husband. But that there is that intimacy with that. And I just can't imagine. Nope, we're just going to sleep in separate bedrooms for the the rest of the duration of our marriage that just kind of blows my mind it's not happening if i can't big spoon a giant man in my bed (laughs) or a giant woman listen uh he's not gonna live forever uh i i wouldn't be able to sleep that's just but everybody's different each his own Mm -hmm. you know you know no no judgment well i i'm i'm judging a little bit uh the whole sleeping in a different room and like 
separating yourself from your partner in that way, there's obviously something wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's something more than just the sexual aspect of it. If you're not attracted to them anymore. Oh, we're, we'll get into it. There's, there's a whole nother thing going on. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to be a psychologist right now. (laughs) It's just the thought to me of just sleeping in separate bedrooms. And this was like not that long after they first got married, I don't think. So it's just, mind-boggling but yeah okay. it's that too it's like two years into their marriage something like that I, I didn't see a year where it actually happened but I mean they they were married for a while but that happened I think early on um the two did decide a- according to Betty the two decided to have an open marriage so that Betty could continue to have her sexual needs met According to Betty, this was an agreement between the two of them. So Jack had agreed to it. I don't see anything um, wrong with that as long as nobody does or doesn't. Nobody knows for sure if Jack actually was amenable to the idea, obviously, because he is murdered at some point. Mm-hmm. That's why all this came out in the first place. But that was the theory. Soon after, Betty began bringing home one night stands regularly. Despite the fact that this was supposedly an agreement, she would also bring up her lovers during arguments with her husband. Betty also had issues with alcoholism, which is not surprising since her father also dealt with that issue. And it is one of those generational curses, quote unquote, that they call it. And at some point, Jack had enough. What had started as social drinking had become a problem and some said drugs had even started to enter the picture. When Jack suggested that she get help for her substance abuse, Betty joined Alcoholics Anonymous. She actually seemed to do really well in the program, especially working with new members and made many friends. Unfortunately, while this can be a good thing, being close with others who suffer from the same struggles can also strain recovery. Mm -hmm. And this was also where some, if not many or most, of her lovers came from. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. In addition to these problems, their ideas of how to live were vastly different. At first, Betty had her own career as a nurse, and she quit her job shortly after they were married to become a stay-at-home wife, leaving Dr. Wilson to make all of the money for their livelihood. This would have been more feasible, but Betty wasn't content with the simple things in life. Their home was on the Boulder Circle cul-de-sac, along with other high-end homes with beautifully manicured lawns. It wasn't ostentatious, but it wasn't a very well-to-do area of town. While Dr. Wilson was perfectly happy driving a used car until it fell apart, Betty drove a Mercedes with a BMW as a backup. Betty was also known to wear a Rolex watch and to obtain and also obtained plastic surgery as well as had her makeup tattooed. Most who knew the two thought of it as it was Dr. Wilson's job to make the money so Betty could spend it so much so that she seemed to be spending the money far faster than he could even make it. This, of course, added stress to the marriage, but Dr. Wilson was determined to try everything he could to make the marriage work, even suggesting they take a special trip to Santa Fe to rekindle their marriage, and Betty agreed. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be a stay-at-home wife. Nope. A stay-at-home person, by any means. But you have a responsibility to live with inside your budget and live with inside your means and live with inside of your partner. If they're footing the bills, financial expectations for you. So, I mean, it even said that he was reusing envelopes in his office. Like he was, he was trying to save money in every way possible 
for himself. He was just stretching himself like so yeah. thin. Yeah. Financially. And he was just teasing he, he was making that money so she could spend it. And then he just got whatever was left over, I guess. Okay. All right. But everybody loved him. Again, everybody loved him. And that's the other thing. I would not be surprised. And this is pure speculation. But I would not be surprised if she was screaming at him all the time for not making patients pay. For accepting cookies for payment for his services. Because she wanted money. And he cared about the patient. He cared about the services he was providing. So... That right there, you can see a dichotomy. And well, I can imagine that was rough at home too. I can see that. I can see that. And I can also see, um, I wouldn't be surprised if his, what people would, and I I do not believe this, what people would consider him not having a backbone, which is actually him having empathy for other people, led him into a state where he tried to give his wife whatever she wanted Mm-hmm. to make her happy because he accepted cookies at work. He, he was a nice guy. He wanted to give people what they needed and what they wanted. And so it could be a twofold thing. And she was described as absolutely stunning also. So, I mean, I'm sure well, he just thought of it as, you know, this is, this is the cost, right? I mean, obviously she has needs. She has certain things she has to spend money on. I want her to be healthy. So I'm going to give her all the money she needs as far as going to these meetings that she's having to go to on a regular basis. I want her to have a nice car if she wants it. Da, 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 da. Um, but he obviously loved her or he wouldn't have put in all this effort. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm stunning and my husband loves me, but he's not giving obviously. me two different cars. <laughs> <sighs> We're still working on it independent woman you don't you don't need you don't need no man you can buy your own car if you want it i already did (laughs) (laughs) so now we're gonna get into the unfortunate part of the case on may 22nd 1992 dr wilson came home after working a bit later than expected catching up on things in the office in preparation for their trip to santa fe He changed clothes and went outside to put up a campaign sign in their front yard using a metal baseball bat to beat the stake into the ground around 4.30 in the afternoon. He then turned around and went back into the house, and this was the last time he was seen alive. The neighborhood police, or the Huntsville police, were sent to the house after a 911 call was received around 9.30 p.m. from a neighbor's house. A terrified Betty explained that she had come home to see her husband lying in a pool of blood, and she wasn't sure whether or not he was still alive. Within minutes, the police found Dr. Wilson's body lying in the hallway next to a bloodied bat, presumably the weapon that had been used to kill him. After inspection, it was determined he had not only been beaten with the bat, struck nine times, but also stabbed twice in the abdomen, and a bone was broken in his neck, indicated that, indicating that he had been strangled. According to the autopsy results, he was nearly dead when he was stabbed, and the official cause of death was ruled to be blunt force trauma in the head by the in theory by the bat there was blood on the bat tested and found to be his but there was no usable fingerprints found on the bat and they were unable to locate the knife that was used to stab him the theory was that the assailant had followed him inside and beat him with the bat that with the bat that dr wilson had in his hand the weaker smaller man didn't have a chance after beating him with the bat the assailant stabbed the doctor to make sure he was dead before grabbing the cash out of his wallet and leaving the scene leaving behind a ski mask betty explained that she had been out all day 
She had met Jack for lunch around noon, then spent most of her day shopping to prepare for their trip to Santa Fe before going to her regular AA meeting that afternoon. She came home right after, only to find her husband dead or dying on the floor. She ran terrified to the neighbors immediately to call 911. Her credit card receipts and eyewitnesses confirmed her whereabouts throughout the day. Did, um, was anything else taken other than the cash from his wallet? That's literally the next paragraph. Oh, okay. So it's wedding <laughs> oh, All right. All right. After the initial findings, police stated, uh, started to get suspicious due to the fact that nothing else seemed to have been stolen other than the cash. Dr. Wilson's credit cards were still in his wallet. None of the drawers or closets were opened or appeared to have been rifled through. No jewelry was missing, and there were several guns in the house that were left untouched. There was, however, one gun that was missing. They were able to find the gun's box and ammunition, but the gun was gone. Also odd was that the phone line in the bedroom had been cut. Where was the bedroom? Was it? Is, do you know? It was upstairs. So they so it was almost like he was heading to the bedroom. Okay. And, but he was found like in the hallway. Yeah. Like huh. it, in the hallway from the way it was described, you would go up the stairs to a hallway and then the bedroom. Was oh, there. So okay. like he was going up the stairs. He was in the hallway. He hadn't made it to the bedroom. I was thinking like he was in a hallway on the first floor. He had not quite made it to the stairs, which now that I think about it, that's a dumb assumption because most stairs are like right at the front of a house. So. Not all the time, but yeah, a lot of the times they are. Huh. But I also didn't specify, so that's on me too. No, no, it's not. It's on me. <laughs> I should know better about 1970s architecture. You should. You should. When well, this actually like happened in 1992. I should know better. Wait. <laughs> we moved forward in 92. Whatever. I should know better about the... 1950s to actually 1930s to 1990s architecture because <laughs> i spend so much of my time looking at real estate properties oh, fair that's true that is on you <laughs> <laughs> about a week after the murder the police caught a break through a tip that was called in regarding a local drunk by the name of james dennison white a 41 year old handyman apparently he was talking to people about killing a huntsville doctor he also mentioned something about being paid to kill the man and the woman who paid him had a twin. This made police look closer at Betty to see if she happened to have a twin sister. And when they realized she did, White was brought in for questioning. James White had quite the history, including being in and out of several mental institutions and jail time. Per an evaluation that was done on him, he suffered from delusions and had difficulty separating fantasy from reality. While he was being interrogated, his story changed nearly every time. According to some reports, this was because he, quote, remembered more each time. Though, obviously, with recent reports about interrogations not being performed as they should, this does bring up the question regarding a coerced statement. Uh, sounds like a coerced statement to me. There was no proof for or against that. Um, there are recordings. They did have things recorded. He's... It, it, it's a long thing but anyway yeah there's no there's no proof that it necessarily there's enough lack of evidence that it could be coerced if that makes sense okay uh, okay but it's also possible that it wasn't and he just changed his story every time well the 90s everything was kind of loosey-goosey and he also drank a lot and took a lot of drugs so 
when they first brought him in, um, he was, I think he had been drinking and doing drugs. So they had to wait for him to sober up too. Yeah. After all was said and done, he provided a statement confession that went something along these lines. White had met Betty's twin Peggy while he was doing carpentry work in her classroom. Peggy was a school teacher in Tuscaloosa at this time. According to White, Peggy developed feelings for him and they began a type of relationship. Peggy expressed that she was unhappy in her marriage and that she needed help getting rid of her husband. She also intimated that her twin sister was having the same troubles in her own marriage and that she wanted to arrange to have him killed. White attempted to negotiate with a friend, quote unquote, at the price of $20,000, but Peggy insisted the price was too high and managed to get him to agree to $5,000. He and Peggy then had an intimate, quote unquote, affair, and Peggy arranged contact with Betty. That means they fucked. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. He was then sent half of the money, which he used to catch up on bills and child support, and frittered the rest away. When he later needed money for supplies, Betty instructed him to go to the front desk at the Gunnersville State Lodge where she had been staying at the time for an AA retreat. She had checked out a book, The Sleeping Beauty and the Firebird, from the Huntsville Madison County Library and left it for him at the desk with $200 inside. White delayed the hit more than once and Betty started getting frustrated. She told him that if he did not complete the hit before their trip to Santa Fe, she was going to need all the money back and she would find someone else. Because he'd already spent the money he had received, this was not an option. He then stated he didn't have a weapon, which Betty and Peggy solved by providing him with a thirty-eight revolver the day of the murder. Later, when the police asked him why he didn't use it, he responded that he disliked guns ever since his time in Vietnam. I think he actually, based on a lot of the information that I found, I feel like he probably had PTSD from that. And that was part of the reason why he was having uh, mental issues. So they used a very vulnerable person mm-hmm. to do this for them. What? For sure. Complete shit bags. Yeah. Yeah, it gets worse. On the day of the murder, Betty had left more money and a fast food bag left in the Parkway City Mall. She then picked him up around 2.30 p.m. and drove him to their house where she let him in so that he could hide until Jack got home from work. The instructions were that she would call the house every so often, and when White had completed the job, he would pick up the phone and hang up. It actually took a bit longer than they had anticipated because Jack had worked later than planned, and White and Betty were both getting a little nervous by the time he arrived home. White very nearly actually bailed on trying to commit this very heinous crime, but unfortunately he went through with it. As Dr. Wilson walked up the stairs of their home, meeting White, the struggle ensued and Dr. Wilson just didn't have the strength to overcome the intruder. After White answered the phone according to the plan and Betty rushed home to pick him up. When she arrived at the house, he jumped in the car, hiding in the back. Betty was in such a hurry to get him uh, back to his truck that she nearly collided with one of her neighbors, causing them to swerve to avoid hitting her. Which is dumb, because they're obviously going to recognize her. But whatever. We'll get to that. Yeah. What? <laughs> Maybe cool it. Chill. Uh, once in his truck, White headed back home to Vincent, but unfortunately he couldn't keep quiet. Had he remained silent, there was nothing that would have tied the three to the murder. The police had nothing to go on until that tip got called in to 911. 
from a research paper I'll link in the episode notes. According to James White in his confession, he waited in the house for the doctor to come home. He rummaged through drawers and scanned the area. He then emphasized, I didn't take anything from the house, including the gun. They then stated, he then stated that he had been drinking Thursday and Thursday night and taking prescription pills. He said it had been about two to two and a half hours of waiting when Dr. Wilson finally arrived home. In the words of James White, he said, he grabbed me and we started wrestling and he had an arm hold on my arm and I started reaching for something or another to get him loose and I grabbed some kind of object, which I was told later was a baseball bat. And I started hitting the man until he turned me loose. He then says he hit him and that his memory was distorted. And when he came to, he was in the woods behind the residence. He says after the incident that Betty was in the driveway going to the garage and he jumped in the back seat. He then makes a very descriptive remark about the bag he covered up with, a pinkish plastic bag. He said she drove him back to the mall where he got into his truck and drove home. He said he tried to receive the rest of the money but was unsuccessful and did not contact either sisters afterwards. After the police took the statement, they searched White's residence and located the referenced gun registered to Betty Wilson, the library book he had described, and a pair of bloody sneakers. The blood was tested and found to be a match for Dr. Wilson's blood type, because at the time, that's basically all they could do. Yeah. At this point, police felt they had enough to arrest the twins, and so they did, on May 27, 1992. This is only five days after the murder. Wow. When they searched Betty's car... No evidence was found to tie it to the murder. Two months later, upon searching the Wilson's house and grounds, a bag was found with a bloodied change of clothes and a knife. Unfortunately, water had seeped into the bag because it was just like a plastic um, grocery bag and compromised the knife knife and the clothes to the extent that it couldn't be determined if the knife was the one used in the murder. The blood couldn't be definitively linked to the crime. But, I mean, you found bloodied clothes and a knife. More than likely. When White was asked about it, some reports say he actually called the investigator to report it, um, and some said that they found it and called him. Um, so I don't really know for sure, but uh, he stated he had changed his outfit in the house and that the bag had been put there later, implying that either Peggy or Betty had moved it after the fact. So he didn't, but so that's why it kind of. That's why I say his stories kind of go back and forth because if he told them where the bag was, then they couldn't have put it there. But if they went to him and asked him about it and then he said, well, I changed and I put it in the bag, but I don't know where it went after that. So I think it was a little bit of both. I think he was just changing his story back and forth. Well, and he might have been changing his story to please the police. Yeah, it, it was really unclear the way because when it said that he had called them he was in jail waiting trial so he was already charged and he said oh wait i remember now that there was a bag that had clothes and the knife in it and here's where it is and then they went to it and found it so i don't know for sure which way it was um it wasn't a big part of the story because they weren't able to do much with it but i thought it was interesting part of the story anyway in exchange for his testimony white was allowed to plead simple murder versus capital murder so i talked about this before but the main difference between the two in the state of alabama is that capital 
has the option of death, while simple murder is only up to life imprisonment. But isn't capital murder like first degree murder and where it's based on like a um, a pre-planning of a murder and uh, or a murder uh, slash burglary um, in the process of a burglary or something like that where it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like first degree. So there has to be some kind of planning in place or there has to be. It, it varies state to state. Some are a lot more definitive than others, but basically you have to have had time to change your mind and do something else and still chose to do it. It just, it, I find that really strange that they wouldn't go with capital murder. I'm not saying that they should, but you made a point of saying earlier that he said he did not take anything from the home. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's in a police statement. So yes. the police wrote that down. That's one of the statements he gave. Yeah. So they made a point of saying he did not uh, burglarize this home and then kill this man. And then somehow he gets off of capital murder when it was obviously a pre-planned thing because he was quote unquote paid for it. No, the reason why he's getting off of the capital murder is because he's agreeing to testify against Peggy and Betty. Oh, okay. This was, they're allowing him to plea simple murder rather than capital murder in exchange for his testimony. So I wonder if they just put in that whole, I didn't take anything from the home, even though he stole from the wallet, to simply that that wasn't a secondary. I don't don't really know how the law works in Alabama. I don't know how the law works anywhere. I am dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just, that's what the agreement that they put to him and it's a, and um, so he avoided the death penalty but also if paroled he could possibly only serve seven years or less in prison okay quote unquote simple murder at the pre-trial hearing Peggy was granted a $150,000 bond while Betty was held without bond and sent to solitary confinement for the entire eight month wait for her trial She was was only allowed to have contact with her lawyer and was not allowed to leave her cell even for exercise or to visit the prison library. Oh, shit. They threw the book at her. Oh, damn. I told you they loved this guy. Oh, my God. I've never heard of anything like that. I haven't either. Especially a woman. Yeah. This was also one of the few cases I've read up on where the trial was allowed to be moved to a different location and was actually moved to Tuscaloosa County. It was also determined that the sisters would be tried separately. Were both of their uh, trials moved to different locations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they were both tried in Tuscaloosa County. Okay. Which worked out well for Peggy since that's where she lived. Oh, okay. And she was out on bond, so it's not like she had to stay Mm -hmm. in jail. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Betty's trial was to start February 23rd, 1993. The prosecution centered their case around the many testimonies of those that knew the couple and superficially Betty. They talked about her extravagant lifestyle and possessions, as well as her numerous affairs and her verbal and emotionally abusive behaviors towards her husband. It was also made clear that the main motive behind the murder was that she stood to gain financially. Dr. Wilson had a $6 million estate. And she was not the sole heir, but she was definitely going to get the majority of that. Yeah. 
She was described as a selfish and vain person wanting more and more and wanting it now. It became evident that she was not well liked in the community, despite how much they all seemed to love and appreciate Dr. Wilson. The main points made by the prosecution in the trial was the testimony of those that knew the couple showing her attitude towards her husband, the motive of financial gain, the book and the gun found at White's residence to corroborate his story, and the testimony from White himself. In the end, despite having four defense lawyers, including Bobby Lee Cook, apparently who Andy Griffith's character was based on on the show Matlock, so he was very famous. Oh, was, that was one of her lawyers. Betty Wait, was. Have you ever watched Matlock? Yes. I used to watch it all the time growing up. Can we talk about Andy Griffith and Matlock for a minute? Sure. I don't remember much about it, but go for okay. it. It just doesn't. I don't know. It was. It was a weird thing. <laughs> it, there was a lot of weird stuff around that time. <laughs> it was really weird. It just didn't, you know, it didn't suit him. Hmm. I don't know. It was odd. It was an it was an odd thing, because it was like a completely different like character from like the Andy Griffith character. I think that was on purpose. I think well, he wanted to do something different. Well, he been doing that for so long. I don't think any of us were ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, fifty years later, I don't think that we're still ready. For it. <laughs> Well, obviously, it did really well because that show went on for a long time. No, I know. But just anytime I, I, yes, sometimes I will watch like Matlock and Murder, She Wrote and stuff like that when I'm sick. I freaking love Murder, She Wrote. I don't know why. Um, And it's just weird seeing it. It's like, what? Well, I never watched Andy Griffith growing up either. So it probably didn't strike me as odd as much as it did you. Because I never well, watched the show. Andy Griffith was on the free station of yeah. public television. And that was all that I got growing up. We were rich. We oh had God. Fox. You were so rich. How <laughs> dare you have Fox? And I'm stuck with I PBS. was also in, in Tennessee at the time. So <laughs> that. A little was different. Bumpfuck Alabama. <laughs> Anyway, go on. <laughs> just it was just really like anytime I think about Matlock and I think about Andy Griffith and Matlock, I'm just like it was just not it's not <laughs> it's not a great like memory for me. <laughs> well, don't watch Matlock. Just watch the Andy Griffith show and be happy. I hate Andy Griffith show. <laughs> That's what's so messed up about it. It's like I don't even like the Andy Griffith show, and don't come at me about that. It's wholesome <laughs> and it's fine, but like the whistling intro always give me like nightmares. I was like, who the fuck's whistling in here? Waking nope. up. No whistling around Montana. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to the case. Uh, so what I was saying, in the end, despite having four defense lawyers, including one very famous, Betty was found guilty by the jury after two days of deliberation of capital murder. She waived her right to sentencing by the jury, and the judge sentenced her with to life without the possibility of parole. Peggy's trial started eight months later. The difference between Peggy's trial and Betty's was like night and day. Sort of like the two twins themselves. Peggy was well-liked in her community and an active member in her church. There was no shortage of people willing to testify about what a wonderful mother and wife Peggy was. 
The defense made sure to dress her accordingly to the image they wanted to portray, as well as showing her husband and children prominently as they were in the courtroom to support her the whole time. Peggy was happily married and a first grade elementary school teacher that was well known for her kindness to others. Her husband was even the minister of music in their church. Well, the only dent in her armor was the testimony of White, who was able to describe vividly what she was wearing during their intimate meetings, basically making it apparent she had used sex to garner his acceptance in the whole plot to kill Dr. Wilson, down to describing her underwear. Despite his testimony, not her underwear. (laughs) Yeah, it said specifically, like he could describe in very good detail what she was wearing underneath her clothes. Uh, How do you confirm that? (laughs) Listen, uh, I'll just say, say, I didn't wear that underwear. (laughs) Number number one, how do you confirm that? Number two, the amount of people who have seen my underwear (laughs) is unimaginable. It is unimaginable. Like, the majority of people who have probably met me can describe my underwear. Uh, and I, if they so would, chose to do so. If they so chose to do so. But in the, the 90s weren't like... Because I keep well, thinking about this But she was a church-faring woman. And, and this, this wasn't done. You don't do that. <laughs> you couldn't... Listeners, you couldn't you did, see Be that. happy you didn't see any of that. <laughs> Despite his testimony, those listening were unwilling to accept that Peggy could do anything like that. So when she denied it, she seemed to be believed. The defense focused on trashing White, going through his long history of drugs and alcohol, his criminal record, and his escape from jail. He was serving for selling drugs when he escaped and then was found when he was involved in a kidnapping of a man and his wife and then got sent back to jail. Well, you didn't. You kind of buried the lead on that one. I did it on purpose. <laughs> um, so I'm out. I, I escaped from jail. And the next thing I'm going to do is commit a crime where I'm also caught. <laughs> Just thrown right back. Okay. Oh, I really feel for this guy. I don't think he really had it in him to come up with any of this, honestly. If he, I don't either. Let's just say if he did it, yes or no, he... You know, he, obviously he pled, so he's in jail. But I don't think this was his idea by any stretch of the means, and he didn't even know the man. So, yeah, I think I think people use. I think some people use. I think his, everybody around him used him for different yeah. things. His vulnerability uh, used him to commit a crime, and then the police then used him in a way that could have been better. But I will not say he is blameless because on the next sentence, you're really going to hate him because I did. Well, according to some records, he, he also killed somebody. So I'm not going to like him. Oh, no, no. It, it gets worse. He attacked his own men while serving in Vietnam and sexually abused his own daughter. Okay, fuck this dude. Yeah. He's not so, a good guy. I just don't think he's smart enough to come up with this all on his own. Fuck this guy. Yeah. De- definitely where he needs to be honestly mm. you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of the character in where the the father and the where the crawdads sing i knew you were gonna say that yeah uh, read that book if you want uh yeah read that book if you want. good book good book anyway peggy claimed she was just trying to help white financially by providing him with work for um 
with work at her sister's home in Huntsville. That, that was her. She she just put him in contact with her so that he would have work at and a, her sister's house. And a little bit of that pussy. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm not going to be too mean, <laughs> but uh, it was not hard to get some. Anyway, in this case, the defense also provided an alternate theory, which oddly enough, they didn't seem to do in Betty's case that White didn't actually kill Dr. Wilson. They even had a forensic specialist that testified the injuries were more consistent with a fireplace poker than with the baseball bat that was found at the scene. The defense alleged that the murder would have required two people. Their story was that these two people came in, attacked Wilson in the garage, beat, stabbed, and strangled him, then wrapped him up, wrapped up his body, dragged him into the house, dumped it, and then smeared the blood on the bat to make it look like it was the murder weapon. That seems like a lot of work, uh, especially in the 90s when people weren't worried about leaving behind. I wouldn't say that. It doesn't. I mean, it's definitely feasible because they didn't have all of the ways of of using evidence that they have now. So just smearing the blood on the bat, sure. I mean, it's possible, but it does seem like a lot of work. Also, who are these two mysterious people? The twins? No, she's on trial, so obviously they're not insinuating that it was her. <laughs> uh, the sister and... But they're saying he didn't do it, so it would have to be somebody else. No, I'm, I'm like so thinking just the like... sister and another person. Maybe she's... Uh, never mind. In any case, know. in any case, the defense did their job. The jury deliberated for under three hours and delivered a verdict of not guilty. Shut the fuck up. Betty is currently serving her sentence in Julia Tutwiler Prison, which has been described as one of the 10 worst prisons in the United States. In 2006, she managed to get married to husband number three, Bill Campbell, a former Green Beret who contacted her after watching her story on a 48 Hours episode about the case. They somehow managed to have a traditional wedding in the prison, complete with a wedding cake, pre-sliced, before it was allowed to be in the prison, uh, unfortunately, the state of Alabama doesn't allow conjugal visits, so marriage technically, I mean, don't you have to do the deed in order for it to be official? I know oh, I'm been. sure they paid off a guard, <laughs> considering she had the... She had a wedding, a traditional quote-unquote wedding. I have opinions. All right. Hang okay. On. Peggy and her husband quietly divorced shortly after her acquittal, and she has since remarried to a University of Alabama professor. She was able to be Betty's maid of honor at her jailhouse wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. So as for James White, he's still serving his sentence at Limestone Correctional Center in Harvest, which is a maximum security prison that was recently targeted by Alabama's Civil Rights Division for alleged cruel and unusual punishment, including subjecting some men to bucket detail. What is bucket detail? It's so bad. They, I knew you were going to ask, so I looked at it and I wish I hadn't. Um Basically, when people go into the jail, they are forced to use a bucket to defecate in, I guess, so that they can check and make sure there's nothing hidden. 
for three days. There are different ways of doing that. For three days. That's all they're given. And there have been some reports of them not being given the bucket. And they are still chained at the hip. Like their hands are still chained at their hips. They're not given the proper sleeping supplies like a blanket. Um, yeah, it's it's bad. So they're they're under investigation. Uh, he has since changed his story again, claiming he never spoke with Betty or made the deal. No, he didn't have any kind of relationship with Peggy. He claims he blacked out at the time of the murder. Oh, but then he changed his story back to the original. He was up for parole recently in March 31st of 2021 and was denied. But I thought he was only supposed to get like seven years. And that's the that minimum. minimum. So, so he was given life, but he has the possibility years. of parole. But he's been in there over 20 years at this point. Mm, yeah. It was the 90s. Yeah, because the trial, he would have pled in 93. So, yeah, so, right, right around 20 years now. Well, wait, no, uh, more than He's going year. on 30. Yeah, 30 years. I forgot how to math. <laughs> I <laughs> forget hard. that I was in my 30s. <laughs> well, we forget that 2000 yeah. was 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, I, it seems there's, that place is still open? And they know about this stuff going on in that prison? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a shitbag and a nobody deserves that fuckhead, but there are basic human rights and you can't. Now, I'm not saying he was subjected to it necessarily. It's just saying that this prison has been known for doing that to their inmates. Yeah, but so it's it's not okay. That's why they're under investigation. But if you think about that, if that's the minimum that's being released to the public that we know about, oh, yeah, there's no telling what's going on behind closed doors. The prison system in and of itself, don't get me started. I'm not going to start. Moving on. March 2004 okay. revealed an interesting update as well. The new owner of the Wilson's house reported that after making renovations to the home, Scott McDermott found that the propane lines had been tampered with. When he ordered a new propane tank, the people installing it had to check the pressure to make sure there weren't any leaks, which makes sense. When they tested the lines, they found the lines wouldn't hold any pressure. This meant that there was obviously a leak somewhere. Upon inspection, they located the leak in the upstairs master bedroom. It was behind the wall near the bed, a hidden fireplace. The cap for the line had been removed. The uncapped line was removed and secured as evidence, but the police said there was nothing they could really do with it, which makes sense since the case is technically closed because they already have somebody in jail. And also because the line's been found years after the crime and many, many, many people have walked through that house and had access to the line. So they really can't use it. But it is interesting. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they took it off themselves and was like, look, we're part of this now. But it's a theory. So the theory is, if this was done before the murder, it could be part of, it could link part of White's statement when he stated he had planned to kill the good doctor before the faded date, but got spooked because Betty's son's truck was in the driveway because for some reason she was driving it that day. So when he saw that truck, he left instead of following through because he thought her son was there. Oh, okay. So it's possible that White and Betty had come up with a different option 
I'm not so sure about it though, mostly because I think Betty either would have wanted to keep the house or would have wanted to sell it for the money. Um, I, and I don't think she would have wanted all of the attention that it blowing up her house would have caused and all of her belongings being destroyed. I don't, I don't feel like that's a solid thought yeah. process. No. Either it was an accident, like maybe it had been like that for years while they were living there and they didn't even know because they didn't use the gas or it's something that happened in between. Because like, uh, if you think about your like homeowner's insurance and things like that, it would, my homeowner's insurance would cover my stuff. Your homeowner's insurance would cover yours. But if she had like this highfalutin like lifestyle and taste it wouldn't Let's even face, if something happened to my house, I would get more money than my stuff is worth. <laughs> yeah, the same. <laughs> just, just, just saying. I don't know that that would have been the case for her. <laughs> I mean, I don't want anything to happen in my house because I just moved in no. and I just painted it this lovely green. And, and it, it is very lovely. happy. But I would uh, be very sad to lose my stuff. There's some stuff in this house, obviously, that's irreplaceable. I would never want to do that. But as far as the actual dollar value, yeah, I'd get more. Yeah. Like your first edition Stephen Kings, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. That would suck. Yeah. It'd be a pain to find those again. So that theory is out. There's also a new documentary that came out this year claiming Betty was wrongly convicted. I didn't have access to watch it, so I can't comment on it. But if you're interested, the only way I could find to watch it was to buy it via YouTube TV. Um, and it was really like, it was hard to find. So I just didn't go that route. Plus I didn't have time to go through with it. Cause it's like a doc. It's, I don't remember if it's a docu documentary, like a movie or a series, but it was a four year passion project by John, by Gene Adam Jr. John might be John Adam. He's, um, an independent African-American filmmaker. So I don't know if it's John or Gene. Um, anyway, and it calls for Betty to be set free, showing a step-by-step -step examination of the holes it claims that are in the prosecution's case. Quote, Adam contends the Alabama jury nearly 30 years ago was unduly influenced by the revelation that Betty Wilson, a white woman, had a sexual affair with a black man. Adams explores the racial overtones in the trial. This was a passion project, and I can see it reflected in the outcome, said the actor, film editor, Jalon Franklin. The documentary presents graphic photos of the crime scene and makes use of recreations to enhance the understanding of the trial. Adam hopes the movie will be a driving force for Wilson's acquittal. And there's also a Facebook group that is all about freeing Betty Wilson. Well, you know, now I have to watch the documentary. I've been really into like YouTube like videos and shows lately, so I'm going to hold off I'm going to go ahead and get it, but I'm going to hold off until you come and stay with nice. me so we can watch it. So a big note of contention in this case is whether Betty got the right verdict and Peggy got off easy or if it was the other way around. It's nearly impossible to believe that justice was served in both cases since both of them were involved in it. Many believe Peggy got off easy. There are some that feel Betty was railroaded due to prejudice with regards to her sex sexual history and not due to actually being guilty of the crime that she was on trial for. There is another theory as well regarding the stabbing and strangulation 
especially since White never actually confessed to stabbing Wilson or strangling him. Some believe White beat him and left him thinking he was already dead, but when Betty arrived home, she found him still alive and stabbed him to ensure he was dead. Maybe even tried to strangle him first, realized it was a lot harder than it, than she thought it would be, and then ended up stabbing him. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think... What's really getting me is... Uh, also, their names keep fucking me up. Peggy's the sister, right? Peggy's the sister, yeah. What's really fucking me up is the simple fact that Peggy was the one who had a relationship with white and so she had direct contact with the murderer and as far as we know betty didn't well the only thing that ties her is because he had betty's 38 and betty checked out the library book that was in his apartment but if they were if the sisters were were so close, the sister could have gotten the gun. The sister could have checked out a book under her sister's name. Very possible. That's why it's you can't say justice was served in this case. Because yeah. one you can't have one get off scot free and the other one is life imprisonment. Yeah. I just don't I don't I don't get it. If Peggy was the one who was and then she just got off. Like, I just don't, I don't get how they're connecting these lines. And I understand that it's because White said that it was what it was, but his story changed continuously. Mm-hmm. Over. It's still changing, apparently, so <laughs> while apparently. he's in jail. I just, I don't get it. Peggy would have been the one that I would have gone after, not Betty. Even though it's easy to go after Betty because she's the wife. And I'm not, like, giving she her an out. Yeah, she sounded like a complete asshole, but that doesn't mean... Being an asshole doesn't make you a murderer. No. Doesn't make you a conspirator of murder. Nope. So, I don't know. I don't know. I have opinions. I wonder... My thing is, like... Do what? I said I have opinions, but I'm not sure what my opinions are. They keep flipping around. Yeah, this case was really, that's why I wanted to cover it and get, like, do a deeper dive and get more information. Because the story in the book is very good, don't get me wrong. But it it is very high level. But it does make me wonder, like, she was, I feel like she was probably just one of those really abrasive people. And she just knew what she wanted and she went for it and she didn't care what anybody else thought. And that's just the way that she was. And Peggy was the opposite. Peggy brought people to her and probably used them. If I had to guess, it sounds like she probably did. Um, Because it's like they were two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And I think Peggy and Betty's relationship in and of itself is a, a big piece of this because they get married right around the same time. They get divorced around the same time again. They get married again around the same time. Betty's husband's killed. Peggy gets divorced right after the the next the the trial, and then Peggy gets remarried right around the same time Betty gets remarried. Yeah, that is super weird. So it's like they're just so close that I wonder if they just are never going to be happy with their spouses. Number one, 
And number two, Betty probably was complaining about her husband. Doesn't mean she wanted him dead. It could just mean she was unhappy with it. But if they had agreed to an open marriage, maybe she was okay with it, but she just still liked to bitch about it. I mean, we've all had that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to kill my husband by any means. I never want him dead. I I don't even want to divorce him. I don't ever want to be away from him, but I can still bitch about him sometimes when he does dumb stuff. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, I can bitch about mine. (laughs) But I'm just saying like, One doesn't always mean the other. So, I mean, it's entirely possible Betty didn't have anything to do with it and she just got roped in. I can, yeah, yeah. And they weren't identical. I will make that clear again. Because it wasn't like Peggy could pretend to be Betty. Just to clarify. They were fraternal twins. So they they had similarities, but they they weren't identical. So it would be like my twin sister trying to... Yeah. Okay. Because we're, Although from the pictures, I would say you two look more alike than these two did. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're fraternal. We're not uh, identical. And it's so weird, uh, speaking of them, like, getting married and getting divorced and getting married. At the time I was getting married, my sister um, just, uh, figured out she was a lesbian. So we both <laughs> went through milestones together. Um, That's cool, though. <laughs> So I don't know if she different. wants to say that. I mean, I different. Uh, different milestones. <laughs> different milestones. But uh, uh, I guess it runs, I guess uh, homosexual tendencies run in our family. <laughs> um, I really need to talk to my brother and see how he's doing. <laughs> um, I'd but be I, uh, yeah, maybe not. Um, I just don't, I feel like, so I have to ask a question and maybe you have like the actual dates. When did, when did the dates correspond with each other from when they got married and they got divorced? Was Betty always married and divorced before Peggy? No, I didn't. I didn't see anything about actual dates. It just said that they were always like right together, right there together. So they got married right around the same time. They got divorced right around the same time. Or they got married around the same time. They both left their husbands around the same time and got remarried around the same time. It just, it it didn't okay. give specifics. Because it might, in my head, I'm like, and this is complete speculation. And this is just like me creating a narrative in my own head. Uh, but what if, what if they've done this like whole corresponding like lifestyle for so long, but it was typically Peggy just following along in like what Betty was doing to be a part of her life. And then when Betty settled down with somebody who she didn't actually plan to leave, but bitched about and Peggy was not happy in her own marriage. She projected onto Betty. This is complete speculation. I don't, I don't know, but this is just like what came into my head. Or maybe Peggy got bored in her church going life and she had to mix it up and make some waves and then if betty messed up and something happened to her husband she had an excuse to do something with her own and get separated from him who knows i I feel like peggy was by the way that things were described i feel like peggy was very manipulative and i wonder if betty just was somebody that she wasn't as easy that wasn't as easy to manipulate and so she maybe manipulated the situations around her yeah Maybe. 
I don't know. That's a whole it's just too, it, it really ticks me off that she got off scot-free because it's just like night and day. That's just not possible. Well, I'm not surprised she got off scot-free. Her husband was like some kind of minister or whatever. She was a church-going, God-fearing woman. Yeah, and true to form, waited South. until the acquittal and then quietly divorced her. Yeah. It's not surprising. White mm-hmm. woman, early 90s. It just... It's not surprising. It just the whole and thing. I think if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Peggy actually had blonde hair and Betty had brunette hair too. Well, I mean, it was like stereotype. I think almost the difference between the two of them. Uh, same with my sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my sister's not. Yeah, I saw a lot of similarities when they were like describing the twins. I was like, this reminds me of Montana and her sister. Blonde, brunette, wild child, not so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot going on. One's creative. One is not so much. (laughs) Uh, I think you get that a lot with twins anyways. Because you... It makes sense. Yeah. When you grow up so close to somebody, this is me getting like deep in my feels about my twinness. Uh, <laughs> when you grow up with somebody who is so close to you and you spend your early childhood being like compared to each other, the mm-hmm. only thing you want to do is not be like the other one at all. Unless you're the silent twins, which that is a creepy case. If we ever do a Patreon, we might cover them. That's a creepy case. Yeah. Well, I was I was a silent twin for a few years. We'll, we'll just do some twinsies cases. It'll be interesting. Oh. Well, that's I all like, I got. Great. So, uh, thought job. it would be interesting. Threw in some twin stuff for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, my adolescence wasn't trauma enough. You had to throw a little bit more in there for me. You're welcome. <laughs> Anything for you. <laughs> Love you. Mean it. Great job. Great. Absolutely. Case. Um, where can our listeners find us on Instagram? At, and Facebook. And Sorry. Facebook. Because it's the same. Reaper Tells Podcast. At Reaper Tells Podcast. And where can, can they email us? You can email us at reapergals at reapertales.com. Email us your show suggestions. Email us to tell us how pretty we are. Uh, if if you do that, I might send you back a meme of a dog doing makeup. Um, I don't know what that sounds about right. right. But it does sound about right. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. All the things. Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. And if you do rate, be sure to review. Um, it just... Uh, if you're younger, if if you're a TikToker person, the more comments we get or the more reviews written on our show, the better it is, just like on TikTok. So, <laughs> there you go. Imagine how that works. Uh, and it means more people will find us. Just like on TikTok. <laughs> Uh, anyway until Somebody's next been time following the tiktoks lately <laughs> like i spent before before we end i've spent i've spent two years i've had a tiktok for like two years 
And I would only get on it like once a month, maybe sometimes every other month. And I just like scroll through like on a Sunday morning. I'm like, oh, this is kind of lame. This is kind of lame. And then I started getting into it. And then I started playing some of my own <laughs> And it was just downhill from there. <laughs> so now I'm like, well, I started looking into like the algorithm algorithms behind like TikTok and how um, how you get shown videos that you get shown and why certain videos get suppressed and things like that. And uh, because I'm a data, I'm a data scientist. <laughs> As she adjusts her glasses. So uh, things like that are interesting to me. And so I was just like, mm, let's see how I can break it. <laughs> so half of that is just for me trying to break algorithms. That you know, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. The only thing about that that surprises me is that Paul hasn't tried to do that yet. I'm surprised he hasn't either. Huh. I'm not mentioning it. He'll hear it in this episode. Then I'm sure he will. Anyway, until next time. The Reaper will come.